Welcome to this week's episode of the Down the Pub podcast. Chris and I are talking about the impact of the COVID-19 shutdown on the CPL and its possible ramifications. We also have a chat about what the Premier League shutdown might mean for Liverpool. Chris also gives us views of Rudy Gobert and the microphones incident. As always, you can follow us on Instagram and on Facebook. Head to downthepub.ca to subscribe so you never miss an episode. Now on with the show. Welcome to this week's episode of the Down the Pub podcast. Uh, Chris and I are talking about the big news, the COVID-19 and how it's affected sports. Uh, we're also going to have a little chat about Liverpool's um, exit from the Champions League and how Atletico mm-hmm. got their tactics so right. Thanks for joining us again, Chris. Uh, how you doing, Anthony, brother? Thanks for having me, my man. No worries, man. Thanks so much for uh, taking time out to hang out on a Sunday and talk about nothing <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty much it man there's not too too much to talk about anymore these days so uh, i guess like the first question i have is, is here in halifax there's obviously been the queue has been shut down and so has uh, the thunderbirds but for us we're big football fans uh, the canadian premier league has put a, a hiatus on preseason for two weeks i believe yeah so where do you think this is going to leave the league and uh, do you think that might be extended all speculation on this end. I do think it's probably going to end up being suspended. We've seen it coast to coast just kind of, I don't want to use the term expediate, but you've seen issues out West. There's issues in Toronto right now, so that it clearly affects York. Um, now we've got a couple of cases here in Halifax. So there's a bunch of public facilities and stuff that are closed. So I think the CPL have done the right thing by, in my personal opinion, bridging this thing 14 day hold on the preseason i expect that they're probably going to take another two weeks off on the other end of those 14 days and then at that point they'll probably have to assess extending that break even further into may june worst case scenario hopefully july um whether they condense the schedule slash the schedule There's a lot of questions still, but I think the league did the right thing by just suspending operations because it seems like a lot of the cities coast to coast have done a really good job of trying to neutralize the spread of this virus. And by doing that, it's going to create more of a trust in the public environment. I know there's going to be a lot of people over the next couple of weeks here where we're from doing absolutely nothing, twiddling their thumbs and biting those nails. But they're probably going to feel better about going to live events um, sooner than later. So I think the Canadian Premier League have done the right thing to take their time with this. A lot of the other leagues have full-blown postponed, suspended, or canceled their operations. I think by the league suspending preseason operations and not committing to doing anything with the regular season yet, is going to allow them to have more time to come up with good contingency plans. Yeah, I mean, I, mean, uh, I, I honestly thought that because they were in preseason, that they might have like held off and just gone with, you know, maybe not take the trips away and stuff like that. Yeah. But I guess um, Atletico Ottawa were in Madrid, which is kind of one of the, the epicenters of all this. So yeah. you don't want players around those guys, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, so, so if the league was reduced, how do you think that would be the best way about going about it? Well, I guess like I was saying, my parents just came over to visit me today and I'm, everybody knows Mama Missy. She's one of the biggest Wanderers fans in the city, country, world. And I was explaining to her how I think things could work. The further the delay goes, clearly, without much knowledge of the inside stuff, the less games I think will be played. The fact that the league went with the one schedule rather than the split season this year 
gives them a lot more flexibility when it comes to rescheduling things. I read two different theories. Um, one of one of which was if the season didn't start until June or July, which I kind of liked when a team would come to Halifax, for example, we would play both corresponding games within three or four days. And the same thing would happen if Halifax was on the road. So if we were traveling to Ottawa, for example, we would play both games within three or four days, travel to York, travel to Winnipeg again, three or four days, three or four days. It would be a way to get that full schedule in. The issue with that is the Canadian Premier League's roster rules and salary cap are really strict. So with them delaying and suspending operations rather than postponing and canceling them, I think that's one of the things that they're going to be discussing behind the scenes. Teams may be expanding the roster numbers. Maybe you'll see two or three extra spots on each roster. Maybe not actively, but in case of emergency, something that's not going to affect the teams financially. But I, the season doesn't start until July. That's like a worst case scenario, in my opinion, aside from the entire season being canceled. They could go back to the method that they had last year with the split season and just kind of copy and paste that schedule. Um, one match against each team, a 14-game schedule. It's disappointing, obviously, but it's better than nothing for a league so young to have that continuity in their history, to have at least some revenue rather than no revenue. I think that it would be better for the league to at least try to find a way to make things work than for them to give up on them. And I think the initial the initial position that the league has kind of given us, the fans and the public in general, is that they're going to play this week by week. And that gives me faith that they're going to figure out a plan. Yeah, I, I honestly think myself that they've they've gone the right. I, I honestly think they've gone the right way about it. Like, there's I don't think there's any way I can see them in two weeks going back to preseason. I just think that this thing is looking at the way that it's kind of worked in Europe um, and in China. There's like a kind of an up curve of when these infections are going to start happening. We're going to see more and more now that the first ones are here in Halifax. We're probably going to see more over the coming days because obviously people have been in contact with people. Um, and you've also seen it in Ontario and BC. So I think I agree with you that we're probably, it's probably going to be May, I think, before we see any games. Um, so obviously there's fans out there who've bought season tickets. Mm. Um, I've, I've seen a few rumblings about people asking, where does that leave them? But so yeah. do you, do you think that they would, me personally, like, I wouldn't want any sort. I wouldn't want the money back because I know the club needs the revenue. It's so so new and stuff for like that. Exactly. Um, but on the flip side, obviously there is like people have spent a lot of hard earned uh, cash on this. So do you think they should be? How do you think that they should go about uh, compensating people if they need to? That's a sticky one. People like yourself and I kind of know how clubs work, and like you said, I would rather the club just keep the money for another season. You know, next year that that would obviously mean I get free tickets to every game next year but it's that overhang of money that the club didn't make this year if it gets completely canceled i think that's why they've taken their time with making a solid decision because the league being so young i don't know how much these owners have invested into their specific teams so the league has to make the decision with that expansion fee that Ottawa gave them, I hope, before this all started, what they're going to do with that money. And I think that that's going to be able to make it a little more flexible for the teams to be able to pay fans back full season tickets, pay fans back partial, explain to fans, 
hey, we can give you back this much, but if you let us keep this much, this is what you can get next year. I think that this is going to test the marketing, the trust that the league has already built with the fans in the very brief existence of the league. But I think it's also a situation where the owners are going to have to dig deep in their pockets potentially to pay out. I just brought up the expansion fee with Ottawa. That's something that is a mystery to the public. But I think privately, if the fee is dispensed in similar ways that it is soccer comparatively with the MLS, but in all sports, the way expansion fees work, every club should get that bit of money before the season starts. That's kind of the whole idea and premise and logic of an expansion fee is that the league takes their cut. Every other team gets their little bit of a cut and that makes their operations for that year cheaper, puts more money in the owner's pockets, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So my hope is that if there is a financial issue with giving fans back their money for people who are going to end up in difficult situations, not working, um, even myself with my job, I've lost 80% of my work volume. So I'm expecting over the next couple of days to get laid off full time. It's it's a situation where fans are going to want their money back because they're going to need that money for for day-to-day living. I know I don't want to talk politics on the show, but Trudeau said, you know, people are going to get their money or or I don't know what he said specifically, but you know, first things first, people are going to look at the entertainment that they paid for that they're not getting firsthand and they're going to want that money back ASAP. So it's going to be a difficult situation where people like you, yourself and myself and, and other people who understand how how soccer works, how club works, how, how sports works in general, if we can at least find a way to trust the team and trust the league that there's going to be an other end of this, that they should hold on to our money for the foreseeable future just to make sure that things work. But at the same time, these are drastic times and it's it's going to be hard to tell somebody who paid hundreds of dollars, we're not playing this year and we can't pay you money back. So it's it's going to be a battle, man. Yeah, I, I definitely think so. And there's 22, 24 players or whoever many it is that they depend on the club for their, their wages, right? So, I mean, yeah. like they have to be paid somehow. I, I don't know Derek Martin's finances <laughs> personally, but I don't think he's... <laughs> in the realm of a Manchester City owner. So Yeah. Well that's um, the thing I was saying to people not to cut you off. Like these these are seven slash eight because at Atletico own Ottawa, even though they haven't started operations yet. Very wealthy owners. I don't even want to say rich. They're all pretty wealthy. So if the season is lost, you would expect that these guys had that overhead to to kind of cover the lost season. But in such a young league these owners might not trust the viability of what they built last year, two years after they started building. And if you know what I mean, I know here in Halifax, it's not going to be much of an issue. In fact, I think once the Wanderers start playing, whether it's this year or next year, we're going to fill that stadium again. But you've got uh, crowds in York. We're, we're very small. Pacific, we're struggling. I know Edmonton have been struggling long before the Canadian Premier League even started. And these were clubs that were really depending on a lot of the marketing that they put into the last few months to boost their ticket sales and, and kind of build that that charisma and that community that they've that the, the reason these clubs were built to try to enhance that because they look at markets like cavalry, they look at markets like us here in Halifax. These markets are booming. These markets have fans showing up. 
even in Hamilton, I know the stadium is big and they're not really filling it, but they're still getting pretty big crowds and it's low key, the biggest sports team right now in Hamilton. So I think that the Canadian Premier League owners should be in contact just about every day. And I'm sure they are to try to find a a group plan. We were talking to Derek on the last show. He said they're more like brothers than they are competitors. And I think that this is going to be a test of their brotherhood. Definitely. And it kind of seems uh, a long time ago now, but I, like, I remember like Andy asking Derek the question about it. And yeah. well, I remember when, when he asked it, like I honestly didn't think it, it would be an issue. You, like It just felt, felt like it was an outside of Canada problem. Yeah. It, it was just kind of strange to, to, to see him. And it, this thing has just developed so quickly that... Yeah, I really hope that, and I, I believe that they do. They they would have had some sort of contingency in, in place in case something did happen to the like the league had to be postponed or something like that. So I'm really hoping that you know people still get paid and uh, yeah, yeah, you know, that's the big yeah. one, man. That is that's the big one because I mean it's it's publicly known that these guys aren't unionized, and like I'm not trying to dig into all that right now on the show, but you know you you do hope. I know that they've got like living arrangements figured out. They they eat meals as a team, for example. So like, you know, are, are, are they going to have to eat out of their pocket or, or are those meals still going to be taken care of? There's lots of little intricacies to these guys' contracts that we don't know about publicly. And, and I've never really truly asked them about privately because that's none of my business. But at the same time, at a situation like this, you do kind of wonder and hope that these guys are taken care of whether it's through the language of their contract, there's a security to that, or these owners are are taking care of them. Like we've seen in like the NBA, the NHL, these these players and some owners are are paying for the arena workers, for example, who depend on the wages to to live. And and with our league, the way the salary cap is structured, we kind of know how much these guys make, at least in a ballpark. So you kind of hope that the owners of our league treat the players in our league the same way that the owners and the players in the big leagues are treating the stadium workers because at the end of the day, it's that same kind of pay scale. And, you know, the most of the people that work at the Wanderers grounds, they have other jobs from we, we were talking to Derek last week, the groundskeepers, for example, they're they're hired by HRM. And I know the security people there. They're from a private company. I know most of the concessions people are from private companies as well. So I'm not so much worried about our fans and our concession workers as much as I'm worried about our players. And I also think, uh, like, I, I'm not, I don't mean to harp on the financial side of it, um, but it, it is like a, a big question. I think the concern for me is is that obviously a lot of the players like were taken in um, uh, as part of people's families last year. So you know, you look at like. Wayne Rooney or you look at like the guys in the Premier League you know they're going to be okay right so yeah. it is what it is I think it's just the fact that because it's a community club um, like the, the guys are out there like being amongst the people and all that kind of stuff that obviously we want to make sure that they're taken care of that's yeah. the only reason that I, and I honestly think that Derek seems a nice enough guy that he would probably do that so um, let's hope that they're all taken care of so I just want to move away from the, the Canadian Premier League because we'll, we'll probably start crying in a second we talk about it. <laughs> you know what man and honestly we we just laughed about it but it's true like we saw such a momentum last year you know if the worst worst case scenario because like I said in my opinion the worst case scenario is we start in July 
But, you know, there's there's a worst, worst case scenario, which is that damn C word canceled. It's going to take us to continue that momentum that was built last year. And I really, really, truly hope that even if a fan gets their money back, that they're committed to put their money back into the team the following year. Um, by us bridging this gap, if it happens, um, I think is going to be the most important thing coast to coast. And I think that you'll see fans, and, and I see it on Reddit every day. I see it on Facebook every day. You'll see fans in the seven slash eight markets really come together over the next little bit, whether it's just to entertain each other or to to strategize on what we need to do as fans. I'm not worried. Like you said, I'm going to probably be really upset and, and maybe shed a tear <laughs> if the season is canceled. But I have faith and optimism in the fact that coast to coast, even in the markets that didn't do great, that we've built a community and a fan base that is going to keep this thing rolling. So... Let's move on. I'm sorry, bro. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's, it's uh, like it, it is a a big th- it's a big thing happening in Canada right now, and I think it's right that we address some of the issues because there's lots of other people are in the same boat, feeling the same way. So true enough. So obviously, here on the show, we don't always only just talk about the Canadian Premier League. We also do talk about the English Premier League. It felt like they had to be dragged, kicking and screaming, to the cancellation table. Uh, they went to the last minute. <laughs> Me personally, I think it was an absolute disgrace that the Europa League games went ahead on Thursday. Um, yeah. Like the Olympiacos game where the owner tested positive, they still played that game in Greece. Um, I, yeah. I think it was an absolute disgrace. Just that was my little rant. Sorry about that. Uh, <laughs> no, man, like rant away. I love it. I love to hear it. I love to hear it. So, so for the Premier League it, itself, I said they were drag kicking and screaming. Yeah. Uh, Karen, Karen Brady, the uh, West Ham uh, chairperson, thinks that the Premier League should be declared null and void. That um, it should never, because it, it won't be finished, and we have no way of knowing how things would have turned out. That's what her belief is. I know you're a United fan, and you might be a little bit biased on this, but do you think that? <laughs> do you think that's unfair to to Liverpool to to go down that road? I have honestly, bluntly, and I've taken a lot of heat over the last week or so discussing this with United supporters. Turned off my red tinted specs, if you will. Um, to look at it from an unbiased perspective, uh, it's really hard and, and you take away Liverpool not winning in, in 30, 31, however many flipping decades it's been. The fact that they haven't won a Premier League in that long, I think adds emotion to the decision. When you look at them considering canceling the season in Germany, there's not a lot of Bayern Munich fans that are upset. And you're not seeing a lot of, of, of Dortmund fans or fans of other clubs that are chasing them upset over the decision. But there's, there's a real true historical emotion that is coming with the FA's decision, I think. And unfortunately, like you said, they dropped the ball. The, the fact that less than 48 hours ago, they were still probably going to be playing to me is a disgrace. France, I think, even took their time making a decision, and France was worse than England was. It's a very, very difficult one because, okay, to be biased, I hope to God that things work out the way that I want them to work out. And I'm sorry to any Liverpool fan that's listening, but it's it's like literally a perfect mix of everything. Like Liverpool doesn't win the league. City still gets banned from the Champions League. I know we don't get in. I think Arsenal would get in if that happened in that method. 
and then Leeds right now is winning the championship if they don't get promoted. Yeah, it's just a perfect mix. It's like a, it's like a gumbo of glory, even if we give up one more year of the Champions League. But from a unbiased perspective, one of the most difficult decisions, I think, the English, the committee, the, the, the EFA, the FA, everybody involved in, in making the decision with what happens with the Premier League because of what we were just kind of talking about a minute ago with the Canadian Premier League. There's a lot of money involved, too. And what they do with promotion from the championship, League One, League Two, even the, from the National League, what they do with relegation in each level. Do they do an expanded league next year where they have leagues of, I guess in the Premier League's case, it would be 22 for automatic promotion. And then in other leagues, they would have up to 24, 26, 28 teams. So how do they formulate what happens next year is going to be a really big mystery to me because... It's all about money. And I think that's why the Premier League took their time because back to my bias, so many of the people on the board, so many people in the committees that make the decisions are Liverpool fans from the 70s and 80s when Liverpool was the best team in the world. So I think that part of the FA's decision, and now I'm kind of mixing both my bias and my unbias, (laughs) is people having personal emotional attachment to the fact that this year was supposed to be truly historical for English football when you break it down. Like Liverpool is, before we took them over, the greatest English football club of all time. And they've managed to spread that history out over decades. And even when they haven't won a, a Premier League title in 30 years, they've managed to win a couple of European Cups and and still remain relevant every single time. So for me, I think that's part of the reason why the FA delayed. Like if Liverpool were only up by four, five, six points they might be more urgent to say, all right, sorry, Liverpool, we feel bad, but we have to do this because they're so far ahead. I think that they're kind of torn with what kind of middle ground they need to find. I honestly have no sweet clue what's going to happen. From a Manchester United perspective, I kind of hope loosely that they continue this year's standings because if City do end up getting banned from the Premier or from the Champions League, we're going to end up in the Champions League. But my brother's an Arsenal supporter, and if the other way goes, Arsenal gets into the Champions League if they take last year's standings into account, if they cancel this year. So it's a mess, man. I don't envy any one of those people who are probably making more money in a day than we would make in our lifetimes. Yeah, I... I I think personally, um, I think it'd be really, really wrong for them not to allow Liverpool to win it this year. I just think that, you know, I, I know the season isn't complete, but they're only two wins away. Yeah. It just, it just wouldn't feel right. And I just, like, there was a funny thing going around. I think it was before Christmas that somebody had posted from years and years ago that if Liverpool, uh, wouldn't it be funny if Liverpool were about to win the Premier League and World War Three started. Or like that. <laughs> um, and now, and now this has happened. So it's like, Liverpool just can catch a break in many ways. Um, Literally. Yeah. I mean, I'm smiling right now because, like I said, as a United supporter, again, I'm sorry, Liverpool fans. You guys have laughed at our demise over the last 30 years too, even though we've won multiple titles in multiple different leagues and tournaments and competitions. We've had some pretty shitty breaks over the years and you guys have laughed at us. It's like the greatest thing that could possibly ever happen for anybody who hates Liverpool. You, like, and it's terrible because 
there's there's this is a serious thing like there's people who have passed away from this like there's people who are worried sick about this it's terrible but like you said they can't catch a break and it, it's 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 karmatic in a weird way yeah definitely and i i think it's after the couple of weeks they've had where they've been knocked out of europe and they've been knocked out of the fa cup and stuff like that so it's kind of well that see that puts a smile on my face too because they were talking about being better than the invincibles being better than the 99 treble team and the wheels fell off that bus really quick but they put they put a lot of pressure on their players too man like they damn like they i don't know how they've they've taken this lead in the premier league i have to give them respect because their fan base puts so much pressure on their players, man. Oh, definitely. And I honestly think, and that comes from those decades of yep. success and the yep. fact that they've been waiting. Because I remember when I was a kid, um, obviously I'm older than you, but I remember like United were waiting 26, 27 years. Before yeah, man. Yeah. And like I, I keep and, reminding people about that right now too. Like if this, this might take another six seven eight ten fifteen years like if you're a united supporter hold tight go to manchester city man like we don't want you on this side if you're gonna quit on us right like it's a fan's right to get angry at stuff for like that and yeah to be honest you know it were a little bit mismanaged but like alex ferguson left at the right time like i, I had a feeling that i know he left on a high but i honestly thought the squad was in decline when he was leaving so it was always a tough job to take over i i think We've talked many times during the season about Ole getting fired and stuff like that, but um, he's he seems to have turned a corner. Bruno Fernandez seems to be a little bit of a uh, perfect a savior. So I mean, and even Igalo is kind of working out. So I mean, like it's yep. it it's been kind of clever and who they brought in. But um, getting back to Liverpool, I yeah. I honestly think that it would be be unwarranted for them not to award them the uh, the league. I think they deserve it. So what? So so by giving them the league, what do you think they should do with the entire table structure? Do you take this league into account? Do you relegate the lower three or lower two and promote the what? What do you think that would be the end game then by giving Liverpool the title? A couple of options, really. So obviously we've got the Euros coming up. That's yeah. a big, that's a big that's a big roadblock to them extending the season. Um, so I know that on Tuesday UEFA is meeting to talk about that, and I honestly think that they should probably put that back a year to allow the clubs to finish off the season um i i, I my, my ideal thing is, is is that the league this hopefully goes away in a little bit of time and then they can just restart the leagues again and just finish it off i honestly don't think that's going to happen though because just watching how this thing is progressing it could be months before they're allowed to have people in close attention like they could there's been talking them maybe playing to empty stadiums and finishing it off that way it's there's still around football though there's still an awful lot of people that need to be involved you know it's not yeah just- that's what i was explaining to my buddy about the ufc he was like oh man it's not that bad it's just a couple of people fighting and i was like they've got coaches you've got a judge or, or you've got judges you've got a ref they still had all the announcers there they still had to have arena operators and security even though there were no fans they still had to secure the arena and and knowing Dana White, he would have made sure that the arena was secured. People don't understand that like like soccer is more than just twenty two guys. You have to have medics there. You still have to have your referee, your linesmen, ball boys and girls. I would assume like yep. there's there's still so much personnel involved. So the, the stewards, yeah, like you like I said with the UFC, you still have to have stadium operators because if you don't have anybody protecting the stadium. 
there's going to be people that are going to run in there to watch the fucking game. <laughs> like, oh, it's it's and that's the thing. It's crazy, and it's like um. So I know it sounds shitty to the team, and I'm a Tottenham supporter, right? So obviously, like if they went to last year's standings, that works out great for me. Um, Pretty but, much, <laughs> yeah. And uh, but having seen the way that Tottenham have played this year, we don't deserve that. Like we honestly don't. Like we're we're lucky to be even in eight as as it speaks and it's just I, I feel like that would be unfair and if we were in the relegation zone obviously I'd be like fuck that like I <laughs> thing. but at the same time though I mean like like you're in the position you're in because of how you've played this season exactly and, and like uh, we're in one of those weird ones right now where being in fifth but City has the whole European cut ban it kind of depends on how much you really want to play in the Champions League next year like if you say okay these this year's standings count. Liverpool wins the league, but we get quote unquote fourth. Or Liverpool doesn't win the league. This year is completely cancelled, but we have to play in the Europa League one more year. Like our trajectory, we almost did deserve to play in the Champions League next year. Like we've been improving, we've been progressing. Tactics have seemed to finally come into play, like you were mentioned earlier with Bruno Fernandez coming in. Everybody else has seemed to step it up a level. Everybody else seems to be a little bit more cohesive. So, you know, we're we're in one of the most random positions as a supporters group where it's a win-win in a weird way. But the worst thing that could ever happen is if they give Liverpool the league, but they still go by last year's standings. Yeah, I, I can't see them do it. No, I, that, I, I doubt that too. I, I, yeah, I think if they're going to give Liverpool the league they kind of have to go away where the positions are now as i said like i mean like it sucks like tottenham honestly i i know that we haven't played well we don't deserve to be in the champions league next year norwich have been playing a few games that are okay they've been losing a few so they deserve to be bottom of the league it is like yeah. the points don't lie and it doesn't matter if that's over 38 games or it's over 26 games it's it is what it is, and you know, like we just deal with the consequences. I guess the big thing is is in the championship because obviously yeah. the money side of that is way, way like the the cost. Like, I mean, I could see an awful lot of the clubs down there putting in uh, legal uh, wow, action big, against big time, you know, big so time. It's, and especially it's, when you look at who's at the top of the championship right yeah, now, I, I think it's, it's Leeds and West Brom. And, you know, West Brom invested a lot of money a few years ago and it didn't pan out. So they've been slowly but surely trying to rebuild to get back into the Premier League. And then Leeds, we're talking how many years now? 15 years? Something like that, yeah. So, like, they, they're, they've been desperately spending money and trying to get them back into the Premier League because – Leeds is one of those clubs that once they get back into the Premier League, there's such a backing for that club that they could not pull a Leicester per se, but they could put themselves into a mid-table position first year, invest, end up in a Europa League spot or a Europa, or Europa League 2 spot in the second year. And next thing you know, Leeds are in that that top 8, top 10 competitive spot. So it's it's you said it. There's there's a lot of money involved. First for promotion, second for your 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 TV rights that you get a percentage of. You get your your rights from the league, and that puts them in a position in the FA Cup where they would start in a later round. For example, it's it's a big situation. I I fucking hate Leeds, 
Um, don't get me wrong. I, I would love to see them stay down, but it's, it's a sticky situation because like in Germany, I was seeing, I was reading that they had put the plan on the table where this season would be null and void. However, they would promote the top two teams from their second division and they would play a, a, I think the Bundesliga is only 18 teams. So they would play a 20-team league next year similar. Or maybe they would promote the top four and they would play a 22-team league. I'm not 100% sure what it was, but it was something wow. within that range. So they were more or less still giving the reward to the teams that were in promotional positions, but not relegating the teams and having more relegation positions for the year after. I think that that's probably... For all those goddamn Liverpool fans that are on the board for the FA, the best case scenario for everybody to be happy, including even us Manchester United fans, because if City do end up getting banned from Europe for the next two years, that puts us in the qualifying position. So I would, like I said, man, I don't envy anybody right now making any of these decisions. And like you said, you're a Spurs fan. You would love to see the season canceled. And they revert back to the 18-19 standings because that puts you guys in. And I was joking with my brother, if City get banned from Europe, Arsenal finished fifth last year. So they would take our spot in the whole rearranged European spot thing, Majig, whatever the fuck they're going to do. But we don't know. And, and it's like a microcosm of this entire virus, not to get totally social and political, but there's so much that we don't know. For our little bubble, which is the football world, the Premier League is the most, if not the second most watched league in the world. There's so many eyes on what they're going to do next. And a lot could depend on how many people watch or really get invested the year after. Because I'll tell you one thing, man. If they take that league title away from Liverpool, there's a lot of people that aren't going to be watching next year. Oh, yeah. Like, big time. I I think, like, in regards to like the relegation and stuff for like that, I guess they could do some sort of like playoff or something, you know, like the like the the bottom three in the Premier League playoff against uh, the top three and whatever. I, there, there, there has to be a solution. I, they will come up with something, but I just just look at the way the situation is unfolding, especially like in Italy and Spain and yeah. France and Germany. Like this is. We're only at the start of this, and it's probably yeah. going to get a little bit worse. So, don't, I I think we should probably wrap our heads around the fact that they might have to cancel the rest of the the season in England. And um, yeah. Those, yeah, it's something that we all need to kind of put our put our heads around. I was going to talk to you a little bit about the the, the Liverpool Atletico game <laughs> uh, last, last week. Evil uh, laugh. Evil laugh. <laughs> kind of seems a little bit redundant now because we. We probably don't even know if the Champions League is going to be finished off this yeah. time around. Um, all we do know is, is that Liverpool won't be part of it. Um, <laughs> so, just, just, just so we have something to talk about, what, what did you think of the game? Uh, okay, we're going to go back to bias, unbiased. Um, biased, that was great. That was absolutely, <laughs> positively perfect. Like I was saying earlier, they were talking about being better than the Invincibles, being better than the treble team. Seeing the wheels fall off of that bus like that was just absolutely perfect. And if that's how their season ends and they don't win the league, it's just poetic justice for everybody who hates Liverpool. They can have that European Cup from last year. 
They were talking about winning back to back. This is the beginning of a new quote unquote dynasty in Liverpool's European dominance. I was like, y'all gotta chill, man. You Liverpool <laughs> fans are crazy. From an unbiased perspective, um, Diego Simeone put on a absolute tactical masterclass, man. Like it was, it was gorgeous. Like for ninety minutes, he knew that he just had to kind of hold down the fort, and by doing that, it was. I don't want to say orgasmic as a coach, but as a coach, watching him structure that match minute by minute, by minute situation by situation, it was almost like they had a 12th guy on the field. When the extra time started, it was a completely different game. Um, like it, 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 it did not matter that they went down. He had them inspired kind of similar to the Atletico teams that won the La Liga a couple times and made it to the final of the Champions League, they they embraced the underdog role so openly and so fluidly that the, the, the tactics don't matter. It's seeing 11 guys believe in their manager and seeing a manager believe in his 11 guys and seeing that kind of come to fruition. It was beautiful. And, and I know it took obvious goalkeeping mistakes for them to win but that's the mentality that Diego has his boys in compared to some of the teams they've played over the years there was a lot of talk about him leaving or him getting fired by them if things didn't work out this season I think he put himself on the pedestal as the best damn manager in the entire game like they they played the game perfectly well in fairness Liverpool missed a Billion, billion. <laughs> so I mean, like they were kind of the creators of their own downfall. But it, it, to me, it was almost like the way that Liverpool kind of had to play. It, it was almost like a reverse of how Liverpool got to beat Barcelona last year. It's like yeah. that kind of underdog thing. Like I know that Atletico were up from the first game, but as soon as that Firmino goal went in, like you were kind of saying to yourself, "Here we go. This is the end of it." And then, well, like I said, you you saw him right on the sideline. Like he wasn't, he didn't have his hands in his, in his, his head in his hands. He didn't, he wasn't shouting at his players. Like he called, I don't know who he called over, but like, I remember when Liverpool scored the, he was waving someone over and he said something in their ear. Like you've got people cheering left and right. Like nobody's going to hear what you're saying. You could scream it, but he called a play later. There was, there was calm. There was trust. And, and like it, the tactics might not have been appealing, but they knew who they were playing against. And that's why I was saying it was quote unquote orgasmic as a coach, as a manager, as somebody who's, who's coached soccer, coached basketball, knowing your opponent is more important than knowing who you have. And, and there's not a lot of managers in the world that can do that. And, and ironically, Jurgen Klopp was one of the guys that I used to give credit for that when he was with Dortmund years ago, he took what he had and he developed a philosophy and it, used to always excel the expectations and you see over the years Dortmund has remained relevant and they've they've kind of settled into their role in the whole German football scene we don't have the money that the Bayerns or the Red Bulls have but we're going to be able to give these young players an opportunity to put themselves on a platform Liverpool might have that in in a year or two but to see them come apart from a team that is built similar to Dortmund where they build from within, and when they spend money, they spend money wisely. It was fantastic because their fans have bragged for years and years about how they've had our number. It's fantastic, man. 
Yeah, it's um I, I was watching the game at uh, Dirty Nellies with obviously the Liverpool Sports Club is <laughs> on there. So, Sorry, Andy. Um, <laughs> yeah, so they literally like uh, the the place erupted when Firmino scored, and then it just turned into. A, I don't even think they could. I I, I, I think it was a shock. I honestly don't think they could understand or comprehend what was what was happening when the when the two goals went in from Atletico. It's just it was a crazy game, and um, I really I really enjoyed it. Like. A lot of people think that, uh, you know, football is a boring sport, but it's games like this that, you know, some people might watch it and think that's boring to me. Like, it's it was like a game of chess. It, and, you took uh, the words out of my mouth, man. And, uh, like, Simeone, like, like played it to perfection. So, yeah. Um, so, I just have one more one more quick question so we can just move away from gloating about Liverpool. Um, <laughs> gloating? We've been gloating? Yeah. kind of feels a bit like that. But you know what? Uh, the, 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 not to not – to, I'll be quick with this one. You have to still give them respect 100%. They've always been behind the eight ball, behind us, United, Chelsea, City's money. They've, they've managed a way to stay competitive – and then on the other end, they've, they've brought fans back to their club's culture. And I think it's going to last a long time, personally. Oh, I, I think so, too. Yeah. Um, it, but it, it is kind of funny. Just have a little jab at them. Um, so the last, the last thing I just wanted to ask you just before I let you go is I'm not that much of an NBA fan, but I know that you are. Uh, what did the hell do you think of Rudy Gobert and his microphone <laughs> pushing. <laughs> karma in its purest form right there, man. If if you didn't believe in karma, look up Rudy Gobert on Google right now. If you don't know what we're talking about, anybody who's listening, look up R-U-D-Y space G-O-B-E-R-T and you will laugh your ass off. But um, he's, he's, he's always been a personality. He's always been... Loose as a goose, if you will. He he interacts with the fans. He interacts with the media in different ways. His English isn't great, so he's he's created this persona where he's more of a character. So I think that that was more of a thing that came back to bite him in the arse by him actually testing positive for it. Because the day before, everybody was kind of laughing with him. You, There were a lot of people on Twitter. I don't even go on Twitter, but there's some people that I'll just like check and see what they tweet. And there were a lot of people that were laughing with him before when it happened that were kind of scolding him after he tested positive. And, I'm, and I, I, I wish people would have that consistency where they were like, oh, we laughed at that, but this is actually a big deal. And I think Gobert felt that way. So as much as I want to laugh at him or call him an idiot or call him a dumbass or call him an asshole, I think he's getting less credit than he's deserved for expediating all the leagues shutting down because from what we've seen it was going to be inevitable anyways having him get the it's terrible to say but having him catch the coronavirus and get caught with it may have saved hundreds thousands tens hundreds of thousands of people from getting it because when the nba shuts down operations it's a totally different scene there's a lot of money, especially very recently with the new collective bargaining agreements and advertising deals and stuff. There's a lot of money involved in the NBA. And for them to stop a game pretty much right before it was going to start and for them to suspend the season rather than trying to find those behind closed doors options, 
it was it, it it said a lot to me and like i said i think gobert almost deserves a little bit of credit for what he did i don't mean to laugh it's just i just think it's the kind of as you said the the karma side of it that yeah. who's uh, been like just he just seems like a kind of he seems like a cool guy and i guess he it was just a off the cuff kind of joke and then what were the fucking chances you know what i mean like it's yeah. just yeah well, when he when he first came to the league he was kind of that like blocky guy, very raw with his talent. Like nobody really thought he was going to end up being anything. And then very, not quickly, but gradually he became one of the best, if not the best defensive player in the league. So the fact that he didn't know English, he had to find a way to connect to American media. And he kind of became like a, like a comedian to an extent, like he had the, the, the thick French accent and when a reporter would ask him a question, he would answer the question, but the answer had nothing to do with the question. He was just assuming <laughs> what they were asking him in English. Like he, he built this brand around being almost like a comic in the league behind his incredible skill. So I think that, again, you don't mean to laugh or like make this a lighthearted thing, but there couldn't be a better guy for it to happen to because i feel like he can find a way to translate people calling him an idiot or calling him stupid into positive energy like i, I i've seen he's been very active on social media it, it began with apologies at first but now he's kind of become this uh social awareness person like you know this is what you need to do this is what you shouldn't do if this happens this is who you should contact for both the people in Utah and the people in his home country in France who are, are dealing with this a lot too. So it's cool to see him kind of turn that into an activism of sorts, kind of like how Tom Hanks has even done it himself. Yeah. You know, just whether you think this is a big deal or not, there's people who think it's a big deal. Let's respect and love the people who think this is a big deal and we can all get through this way quicker. Big time. Um, so we leave it there on that crazy because it kind of, to me, it's just like a, it, it just puts all this thing into a big nutshell of yeah. how fucking nuts it is. So, uh, <laughs> so, no, uh, no pun intended, man. <laughs> yeah, know, man. So, um, yeah, so um, thanks for joining us. Hey there, this is Anthony. Thanks to Chris for joining me this week. Just wanted to take a moment just to say a few things. We recorded this episode on Sunday, and the situation has deteriorated even more since then. Please, please, please take this COVID virus seriously. Listen to what we've been told about social distancing and washing your hands. My parents back home in Ireland are over 70, so are very vulnerable to this. So we can all do our part to make sure that this disappears. Also, small businesses are really going to feel the effect of this. Wherever possible, support local so we can help everyone in our communities. Thanks again for listening. It's really appreciated. Make sure to check out my friend Dave Smith's podcast, The Armchair Commentary. It's available wherever you get your podcasts. We're hoping to have some chats with some Wanderers players in the next while to help feed your CPL fix. Head to downthepub.ca to subscribe. And until next week, cheers.